Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff, and we are on the road a few blocks from where we usually record our podcast. We're at the Kansas City Live in the Power and Light District about a half hour or so before the Women's World Cup semifinal between the United States and England. Crowd is gathering here as it often does for World Cup soccer events and Royals and Chiefs big games. This has become something of a, a, a of a of a United States soccer hotbed and creates a great visual uh, and scene for the television networks, Fox Sports in this case. And we'll see that today. You'll if you're watching the USA-England game, or if you've watched it, you probably see uh, scenes from the Kansas City Power and Light District. There's actually a camera on stage right in front with a group of fans gathered in, in front of the camera, and they will be on national TV today. There's several hundred here in the, in the Power and Light District. I imagine this number will grow to more than a thousand, maybe a couple thousand by the beginning of the game. The bars and restaurants are open, a lot of cafe, sidewalk, dining. I see a ton of kids here, uh, boys and girls in Team USA jerseys. There's a, there's a woman in front of me with a Becky Sauerbronn number four USA jersey. You remember Becky Sauerbronn was the uh, defender of the year when she played for FC Kansas City. I see Rapino jerseys, Morgan jerseys, uh, jerseys from several other members of the U.S. national team. So thanks for tuning in today. You will hear later in this episode from David Ficklin, who's the executive director of Kansas City World Cup 2026, the city's bid to land the piece of the Men's World Cup. Um, in, in, the, in the following cycle. You'll also hear from, from some fans who are here. But right now we're going to join or listen to Nate Buchady, the sports personality from Radio 810 WHB, who's on stage and leading the cheers in his uh, Uncle Sam hat and whatever USA red, white, and blue garb he's wearing. And we're going to join the Fox Sports coverage here. So, listen, thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's just go back to um, what 
the scene, the visual means for for Kansas City and the quest for 2026? When we planned these watch parties, our ultimate goal was to achieve what happened in that last game against France, a packed power and light going crazy over a U.S. win. So compelling that Fox would put it on their broadcast and it happened. But more than that, it went uh, it went worldwide because we're hearing already from France people saw it and Fox wove it into their pregame intro today. So. We knew we would be one of the few cities to put on watch parties. We didn't realize that we would be putting on the best. But that's what we always try to do. But we're Kansas Cityans, right? So we just, we, we don't want to say that we're going to do it better than anyone else. But sometimes we do. So you worked at Sporting Kansas City for more than a decade. 11 years, yeah. And so the watch parties here at the PL started really with a, a sporting initiative. Tell us about that. Take us back to the beginning. The beginning happened before we were a soccer city, before we were Sporting Kansas City. It was the summer of 2010, and there were two exciting things happening. Sport, uh, the Kansas City Wizards, as the club was called, was going to host the biggest club in the world, uh, Manchester United at Arrowhead. And um, it was really a, a watershed moment for that game. Over 50,000 people came, and at the same time, the U.S. was doing well in the World Cup in South Africa. And um, Landon Donovan scores the most famous goal ever scored in U.S. soccer probably to, to beat Algeria at the, at, the, at the death, as we say. And that created an excitement that uh, no one could have predicted. And that game and then the next game had massive crowds, you know, eight to 10,000 people maybe uh, when you think of the live space and all the restaurants that were full. It was not planned, it, it happened organically, but uh, those of us working at Sporting, we were, we were blown away, but so excited because it, it sort of foreshadowed what might be available for the growth of the team. That, wow, there actually is this passion for soccer here that we hadn't seen as the Wizards, but um, we were, you know, we were, the stadium was already under construction, and so we were thinking, this whole thing might just work after all. <laughs> and it has, um, one, one of the real, satisfying images out here are the number of kids that are here in, in, in USA jerseys, boys and girls. I'm so excited about these big crowds, but the thing that excites me the most is seeing all the young boys and girls here, uh, especially the little girls, the very young girls wearing the jerseys of their idols, and they're seeing that men and boys are wearing them as well, and men and boys are cheering for girls. You know, if nothing else happens in the growth of soccer, the legacy we might just leave with these parties is that little girls can can aspire to be professional athletes and no one's going to hold them back and everyone's going to support them and celebrate them. It's a great lesson. It's a great lesson for our, for our youth. And a great scene here today, um, USA versus England. The game hasn't started yet when, um, when Dave and I sat down for this interview. Uh, hope to see you again on Sunday, David. I sure hope so. You know, we were here four years ago when this live block was packed to see the U.S. beat Japan in the final, but I was also at the members club at the stadium four years before that when Japan came back and beat us in penalty kicks. Um, talk about a low and a high. I would love to see us back in the final for a third consecutive year and win it. Everything that we can do to 
to get our city together celebrating soccer helps us tell the story to FIFA and U.S. soccer. And just r- real quickly, the, the, the timetable for a decision on, on uh, World Cup 2026. Well, we think the decision is going to be made to late 2020, maybe early 2021. I actually look forward to having that much time. There's a lot of people we need to, to tell and get them to understand how beneficial this is to the to the metropolitan area, you know, with the $620 million of anticipated economic activity and a billion television viewers and tens of thousands of international tourists. All of those things are on a magnitude so much greater than anything else we can do. When we tell people that, it changes their perception immediately and, and everyone becomes a soccer fan and a supporter of the bid. And we've got two million people we need to convert. And we'll take that year to do it. And just a quick reminder of the math, uh, 16 North American cities will will service hosts. Three of them will be in Canada. Three will be in Mexico. Those cities have been identified. The remaining 10 will be in the United States. There are 17 cities that are finalists for those 10 spots. Kansas City, among the smallest of the metropolitan areas uh, bidding. How does that impact, uh, how might that impact the bid? We may be small, but we're passionate, and I would put our passion up against any city. And um, it's not just a Kansas City bid. When you think about it, tens of thousands of soccer families from across the Midwest come to Kansas City every week in the spring and the fall to play their games in our world-class facilities. So when we started talking to people from out of state and the heads of youth soccer associations and asked them if they'd be willing to support the bid, it was probably the easiest ask we'd ever made. Of course we would support the bid. To have a World Cup, uh, an opportunity to see the World Cup three or four hours away from us. And so that's grown to, uh, it's grown to a Midwestern bid. And so it's not just small little Kansas City, it's, you know, it's 40 to 50 million Americans within a one day's drive that have the opportunity, if we win, have an opportunity to see a World Cup match in the Midwest. Would be the biggest sporting event, I think, in Kansas City sports history. We've held the World Series. We've AFC Championship game, which is as high as you can go in football without hosting a Super Bowl. Uh, All-Star game in baseball. Uh, I don't think anything would match World Cup just for length of events and, as you mentioned earlier, dollars. All of those were fun. All of those were so exciting, and I loved how the city just came together. Unfortunately, they just lasted a brief moment in time, just a flicker. But the great thing about a World Cup, there's the build-up, and then there's a month of activity. And, you know, we're in the bid is able to host up to a semifinal. It may just be a quarterfinal. So we'll be a, you know, should we be successful, we'll be playing games here for, you know, maybe three weeks. And um, I try and tell Kansas Cityans this. Imagine a Super Bowl here. How incredible it would be. How massive. Well, now imagine six of them in three weeks, because that's the proposition for hosting the World Cup in Kansas City. That's great, David. Hey, thanks for spending some time with us. Thank you very much. As the Power and Light District started to fill up, I caught up with a couple of friends from Olathe, Avery Smith and Alex Mariani. We chatted about Team USA and the Power and Light District scene. Um, I mean, just the, the appeal of just like their equal pay movement and that they fight for, 
a sweltering afternoon at the Power and Light, I've retreated to the palatial <clears throat> uh, Sports Beat KC studio. The air conditioning feels good. But what a fun time watching soccer with the fans there. You know, I've seen the video of soccer, the Royals World Series, Chiefs games, and other events at the PL. Rarely do I get to hang out there. But listen, I'll show for the place. If you're in Kansas City on Sunday, Head out to the PL for the final, which I believe begins at 10 a.m. Central Time, USA against either Sweden or the Netherlands. Links to World Cup coverage can be found on KansasCity.com and in the print editions of the Kansas City Star. The editing skills of producers Kathy Liu and Leah Becerra were put to the ultimate test today, thanks to both of them. You've been listening to Sportsbeat KC, the sports podcast of the Kansas City Star. We'll be back soon to talk sports in Kansas City. You!